0: Chug's 1.0 was great, and I love it. It's, I really do find that concept like near and dear to my heart, but I think this one brings it full circle.
1: You're listening to Pancom Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. Petey the dog is not here, but Michael Beltran we is... Li- we just lost so many listeners. We did. At least five of the 22. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we are recording this episode from Chugs. You haven't heard an episode recorded from Chugs in quite some time. Uh, Chugs, for those of you who are new around these parts, is our host, Chef Michael Beltran. And also, by the way, eighth grade basketball MVP, Michael Beltran's uh, Cuban American Diner. The way that uh, he's described it in the past is if a Cuban Bentanita and an American Diner had a baby. It might be Chugs. I don't know if you still feel like that's a good description. We're here. That doesn't really answer the question, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are here in any case. Um, so we're recording this one just you and me to talk about this. This place is going to open at some point in the very near future. Um, yeah. We're not going to put a date on it. Yeah, no. But but I mean but like very, very, near, near. Very, near. very near. Very near. Like inside of
0: 30 days. Inside of Maybe 40, in, 14 days. Okay,
1: yeah, sure. So very near. Today yeah. is... Today is August 23rd, 2021. Uh, And the last time I was in here, this place was basically a construction site, and now it is not. Uh, So, I'll let you tell us where we're starting the conversation.
0: There's so many places to start. This is probably the highest stress episode we've ever had. Well, that you've ever had. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I don't produce myself, so I can imagine how your stress levels would be pretty high. No, no,
1: I'm just saying that if the stress is because of where things are with Chugs, that's not... Like, I'm not a part of that. Like, you're the one experiencing the stress. Sure. This, for me, is another episode. That's. True. I just don't want to lump myself in with all the people who are stressed out about Chugs. That's fine. I mean,
0: this... Um, like you said, I don't know, when was the last time you were in here? Probably like four or five months ago?
1: Yeah, like, there wasn't, like, no countertops um rubble definitely no furniture like none of the booths were in yet you still had the wrong
0: lamps oh the wrong lamps. yeah the big ones man i can tell you that i ariette was like the first and it was put together with like duct tape and like charcoal pretty much like it's incredible that that place got open um the nave the deal was a little different there somebody built it um to which i'm still paying the price for but this is the first time I've designed the whole thing from top to bottom. You know, like where pipes go, where lights go, um, where plants go. Let's let's just, for,
1: for the person who might be new, let's sure. very quickly bring them up to speed. So what was Chug's before? So Chug's
0: started as a pop-up. Yep. I was actually in New York with Pasta Poppy. And uh, my partner Andrew calls me and he was like, you know, the space. And I used to come to that space all the time. It's a good little breakfast spot. The space became available. Um, you know, the landlords were were we were like friends with the landlords and they were like, we wanna know if we want to do a pop-up there. I said, sure, fuck it. I mean we needed a home for Pasolita Papi, really, was the initial thought. And um So I said, sure, and then you know, there was a kitchen and I was like, I can I can do some food here. Um in a very in like the most stubborn fashion that I operate. I was like, yeah, twenty two items that i stuck on that fucking menu
1: in a kitchen that was what size
0: a shoebox. Yeah. it's pretty much a fucking shoebox. it was a four burner a fryer and a, and uh i put in a 24 inch flat top and um a small pizza prep table and i mean you know the first like two weeks of chugs were fucking ferocious mm-hmm. i did not expect that kind of uh response it's amazing super grateful feels still incredibly blessed to this day like it was just like 650 square feet tiny little thing we had eight seats indoors and we had 40 outside Yep. and um it was it was great to see it was a lot of work um but after a couple months the landlords you know they were trying to do things with this building that they couldn't end up doing i believe so then they asked us if we would like to stay long term so, then that was kind of the beginning of the process. People don't ever understand, like, the beginning of the, the, the deal and the lease process is lengthy. Mm-hmm. Like, when you release that you're opening something, it has nothing to do with, like, what just happened at that moment. It has everything to do with what happened a year previous or even two years previous. You know, they just released the um, information that we're opening at the World Center for our French-Cuban brasserie. I mean, we've been working on that deal for two plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we started that process. Then it was like thinking about because, you know, the, there was a clothing store on the other side of Chugs and they were leaving. Uh, they had decided to not renew their lease. And I was like, you know, we just got to make this fucking thing bigger. They just, you know, to do, to make money, it needed to be bigger with kind of like what Chugs was. Yeah. So started planning. Then the pandemic happened. Uh, so Chug's actually ended up staying open longer as a pop up. It was mm-hmm. only supposed to be, stay open for a year. It ended up staying open for like a year and seven months. Part of that time is like a sort of bodega. Bodega, grab and go. I mean, Chug's was like, it was great for the people of Coconut Grove and a lot of people of Miami during the pandemic and for us too. You know, we had an opportunity to highlight Devin's ice cream. Uh, more of her sweets, her bread work, um, you know, and continued doing our part for what I thought really Chug stood for, which was like a very homey place for the community as yeah. a whole. And when I say the community, I mean Coconut Grove, Miami, whatever. Hmm. Um, and that lasted until like the building really just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, the building was like falling apart. And when I say falling apart, like the plumbing needed to be replaced, the electrical was like just. Just didn't work. Um, And we, I decided to close sooner than than I wanted to. Because the landlords had to know that they were like put on notice. Like we got to close. There's things that need to happen on their end for us to close. So then we closed. And by that time, I'd already kind of like etched out the space. We had worked with an engineer, which that was my first time working with like an architect engineer. And man, let me tell you, I learned so much. Those... I'll just, for anyone out there that's opening a restaurant, not all architect engineers are created equal. And they do not know what it takes to open up a fucking restaurant or even operate one. They put outlets in the wrong places, at the wrong heights, uh, wrong visibility levels. Just like, it's just fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. So that taught me a lot. I had to go back and change a lot of shit. Um, and just thinking like, you know, an, you know, an architect, they, they, they know. <laughs> they do not know you have no fucking idea like the way a door swings open where the walk-ins located how big the walk-in is how wide the kitchen should be and that leads into like actual like demolition breaking ground and then again you think it again like oh this is like a super serious like construction company they should know all the things they don't so i mean i was here pretty much whether it was for one hour or six hours a day during the construction process throughout the whole thing yeah and you know they don't catch things that we catch because i'm a restaurant person yeah they don't have that context right um even though they build a fuck ton of restaurants and i'm not saying that these people are bad at their job they just don't know
1: no and i'm sure that it's also that there are a lot of people who make those assumptions that you maybe made at the beginning but don't stick around long enough to realize they're wrong so if they never have that feedback loop with their other clients when they come to you it's as if they had been building whatever else
0: This episode of Panko Podcast is brought to you by
1: Cerveza Monopolio. It is one of old it is one of Mexico's
0: oldest breweries. You could tell we've been drinking it. Oh the time. man, we've
1: been drinking a bunch of Monopolios around here. It's one of Mexico's oldest breweries, following in the footsteps of their ancestors, they brew the original recipe from the late 1800s with the same natural ingredients and The same commitment to brew the highest quality cerveza.
0: Let me tell you, the commitment absolutely shows. I have to be incredibly honest. A year ago, when I started seeing this thing around Miami, I'm like, man, what the fuck is this thing? This shit looks cool. Let me try it. Then I drank it. I'm like, fuck, this shit's delicious. So I was like, man, we should carry this. And you can probably find Monopolio at lots or all of my locations.
1: People might think that this is just because they're paying for it. But earlier when we were not being paid during the podcast, maybe
0: before we started recording with Giorgio. Yeah. Because we're both talking about Monopolio.
1: This yeah. Is, uh, I mean, you well, wouldn't carry this beer if you didn't believe in the product.
0: No. I mean, I, I definitely do believe in the product. I do think that it's delicious. I, I definitely wouldn't just drink it randomly at my house if I didn't think it was delicious, and I wouldn't want to carry it at our locations if I didn't think it was delicious. And this stuff really is delicious. It's easy drinking, it's not. It's something that you drink during the day, something you drink at nighttime, and I definitely, definitely co-sign this stuff. You know, part
1: of why it's delicious is that they use real corn, no additives, no preservatives, and this beer is not pasteurized. It's also independently and Mexican family-owned that's right. You can find it if you're in South Florida at Milam's. is Milam's outside of South Florida? I don't even know. No I don't think so. It's only South Florida. But also fresh markets. So Milams and fresh markets, if you can't find monopolio, you know what you should do? They didn't put this in the talking points. You Oof. should tell whoever is not stocking monopolio to stock it to stock monopolio. Do yourself do your so-
0: go up to that guy. That's right. That lady, that person, that's whoever right. runs that place said, "Hey, you know what, man? do yourself a favor." Right. Carry Monopoly. I'm
1: also going to throw in this is a very ad hoc ad. Uh, I had told the people at Cuba Decide that we would give them an ad. And, oh, yeah. and unfortunately, we have not gotten talking points. So we're just going to throw in here in the sponsored segment uh, a totally made up ad. Uh, Pro bono for Cuba Decide. We make up ads all the time. That's right. We make things up. uh, When you're not, whatever money you have left over after buying croqueta doorstops, Mm. uh, head over to Cuba Decide, that's cubadecide.org, and consider giving them a donation. Leave Pan con Podcast in the memo field, and that will signal to them that they should put all of that money toward keeping Cubans' cell phones connected to the Internet in Cuba, uh, Cuba de Sida has a vast network of supporters in Cuba who have played a critical role in keeping each other and people outside of Cuba informed, especially through all of this protest stuff that's been going on since July.
0: Pig Inc. and Area did a mashup shirt that will be available on the soon-to-be-revealed soon, soon to be revealed Pig Inc. website, Pig Inc. Apparel, a uh, website that a large majority of the proceeds will be going to Cuba de Sida. And I think that this is great. It is great uh It's a cool shirt in very classic
1: pig ink slash area style very clean area yep. uh a uh, favorite phrase of carlubas' is understated elegance. I think it is an Ooh. understatedly elegant shirt. i like that It's a great way to support Cuba without it feeling hokey uh It's a cool shirt uh definitely go and check it out. This will be... Uh, is it piginkapparel.com? I'm honestly not sure. Okay. <laughs> if you follow Pig Inc. on Instagram, I'm sure there will be links and things when it's available. Yeah. We'll give you all, all the things. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, support all that stuff. Uh, and uh, and And, yeah, do that. Do it. Also, Pancom podcast, September 8th. Maybe there won't be tickets available by the time you hear this, but September 8th at Maxwell Brothers Clothing Store, which is a pizzeria brew pub. Get them while they're fucking hot. These things are red fucking hot. September 8th at Maxwell Brothers Clothing Store. We are doing a live podcast, meaning we will have an audience. Um, You can get tickets to watch 8th grade basketball MVP, Michael Beltran, in Discussion in conversation with Brewer and Restaurateur John Falco as I'm well actually as
0: this Falco's like the our guest. Him and Peter Santamaria. Peter now that is a fucking just a gem of a human. Falco we could do without. But well, it's fine. I mean, it's we his really place. couldn't get around it. We'll let him in.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm looking for Falco claims <laughs> claims that he claims will so be, much claims that he will be making his own t-shirt cannon that
0: ideally will also shoot batalitos. I mean the t-shirt cannon thing I've been a proponent for for a long time but
1: I don't know if you always wanted Falco to manufacture one
0: well him manufacturing anything gives me anxiety but a lot of things do I obviously. mean
1: listen if anybody if I trust anybody with it it's him he was in, weapons in be falco he was he was in weapons intelligence he's the I guy. guess you're right he's the guy for this if there's one thing I trust falco with it's making a t-shirt cannon Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he was in an intelligence. I think that was the deal. Uh, Okay, maybe also other things. What I don't know, man. There will also be other things happening. We are raffling barware from Steelite, and there will, barring some kind of thing, you know. But the plan is that you won't have to touch anybody table any tables. There will be no Mike Beltran table touch. Right. There will be a Mario Obregón.
0: Rap about the food. This is fascinating. So I can't wait to I mean, I saw what he did with black beans and I am fucking just I kinda super- want that.
1: I, I want instead of a rap, I just want like all the lights to go down and a spotlight, spotlight go on Mario, over Mario. And it just be him like kind of talking yeah. contemplatively. Yeah, about, about black beans. Yeah. Well about well, let's tell people what's gonna be on the menu for this event. <sighs> what is
0: gonna be on this menu? Oh, so okay, menu. no, I got it. Oh, okay, okay. So we're doing uh Moho garlic rolls yep right that's what you that's one of the things you eat then you have <laughs> that's <thing laughs> what you do with it yeah yeah um then for the main we have like a three-parter right we're doing um we're doing a what we call noche buena calzone right that's what we're doing yep maduros lechon asado there's some ricotta there's some other mojo we're gonna, onions. Mojo onions i think was the idea i mean I don't really <clears throat> know. yeah we're doing pizza litos. So it's, um, Pasalitos and pizza had a baby. Right. And pasolito papi is going to make that baby for you. Oof. And then we're doing is an. She's o- going to put that baby in you? It- <laughs> Take it easy, killer. <laughs> Take it easy. This is a kids show. We're good for the kids.
1: Oh, is that what this
0: is? Yeah. Oh, um, man. sorry. And then kids. we're doing an avocado leonese, So it's an avocado salad with frisée, bacon lardons, um, uh, Hard boiled egg, soft boiled egg, green goddess dressing. And then for dessert, his team has a couple of things that they're working on that I find fascinating. I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but he's working on this incredible new ice cream concept called Crybaby.
1: It's on Instagram already. Is it? It yeah. exists?
0: Cool. So I could talk about it. It's called Crybaby. And uh, he Falco, myself, and his chef uh, hatched up some pretty cool ideas. That I think we're going to test in the next week or so. So, you know, one of them was like a beer float, which was cool. This is news to Nick. It as is he, as he yeah. as he looks at me, very confused. That's okay. That's good. And then the other one was a
1: um still doing the whey caramel or no?
0: Yeah, it's a it, the other one was a it's an ice cream sandwich. Okay. With whey caramel in it, coconut ice cream. Are you okay? Well, <laughs> I don't know um and uh some other stuff and it was the conversation was fast and furious but it was very uh exciting since i'm a big fan of ice cream sandwiches and floats very good so i think it's going to be a good time i would recommend buying a ticket obviously um
1: so the ticket gets you the dinner right gets you a seat in the audience for this podcast while you're having that dinner which i'm sorry about Apologies to everyone. Right. Uh, gets you a cigar. Right. Thanks to Aghanarsa Leaf uh, for hooking us up on that front. They will be providing the cigars. Gets you at least one entry in this raffle of barware. A lot of nice stuff. Woof. There's going to be. uh Woof. Yeah, there's going to be stuff happening. Can't wait. Happening. Um, you, you get a Yari. You get a Yari. You get a Yari. <laughs> and then I don't know. I don't know what we'll do exactly, but I, I know that we want to Well, but, build... I
0: mean, come on. This gets you a live performance performance by, by Mario, Mario Obergon, yeah. which is, I mean, that guy is riding his Peloton every day. He looks great. He's ready to rap. I mean, he is fucking, he is, he's going to kill it. Oh, man. This is, it's
1: going to be huge. Um, huge. 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 Man, it's been so long since we heard one of those, huh? <laughs> it's um, the same all the time. Huge. Huge. Um, but uh, but no, and then I was going to say we. I don't think that we know exactly what we're going to do, but I do want to bring something into this event that helps to raise money for uh, for recharging Cuban cell phones through Cuba de Cide. Um We have thrown around a few ideas about you know what that might look like. Um, I'm thinking that. Uh, So, Peter Santamaria has agreed to contribute at least one piece of his that we might, like, auction off. Oh, that's cool. Or raffle off or something. Yeah, that's great. Uh, And then I think maybe what we'll do with the Steelite thing is if you have a ticket, you will have an entry into that raffle. But we'll let people spend money for extra entries and send that see this way. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I mean,
0: we're also working on a t-shirt thing for that as well. Yeah. Um that i get the sample t-shirt tomorrow i'm gonna to wear it on the show i'll probably wear it to the show too on the 8th yeah. um and all the proceeds go to that yeah so the shirt will be expensive because not because i want the money but because i want it to go to a good place yeah, yeah. are we done here back to the show i asked my gc which is actually a great guy his name is james i was like how often when you build a restaurant are, there, are like the owners there and they're like oh no very very few times i'm like that's the craziest thing i've ever heard and those owners end up i'm sure with things that they for the first yeah but the owners aren't operating usually right you know it's not like a lot of people that we know that i know they're owner operators they know all like every nook and cranny mm. A lot of people who dump money into restaurants are just dumping money into restaurants, and they don't know how to operate said restaurant. So, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a learning process for me. I learned a fuck ton, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So we're here now. Yeah, um, we're standing in this with so the fucked stand- up bottom of the booth. I know you can't hear it. Oh, they can hear it. Yeah, yeah, but that fucked up bottom of the booth that they were supposed to fucking fix. Are they all like that, or? No. This, one? this is the first one I sat in that still has this thing. So just to give people context, we're sitting in a booth. Yeah. The base of the booth has a small little, like, silver thing that goes silver over. Plate. Yeah, like a plate. And yep. then it's actually got, like, double-sided tape on the bottom of it. So mm. it sticks to the base. Yep. And they were just like, fuck it. We don't want f- to do that yep. one. We're over the tape. Yeah, fuck them. They're actually going to be back next week. So they're going to fix it. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me about... um
1: what chugs over the course of chugs 1.0 what did you learn about what chugs was right because you maybe had an
0: idea of like what it was at the beginning and then it evolved and then we uh, had we had this conversation yesterday actually so people have context nick actually edits all of our menus okay he i mean yeah yeah, it's true you edit all of our menus yeah it's a new development it's well i mean it's been happening for a little while now I have always
1: edited your menus as a personal hobby, and then I would text <laughs> you directly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's more recent that every time there's a new menu, I get emails of, of menus.
0: Right. So, uh, we were discussing through text yesterday, and I just asked, I asked you for your feedback. Like, what do you surmise from, like, the menu, and what was it that you said?
1: If I remember correctly, I said I thought it was, uh, it was tight in the sense of that it didn't feel like it meandered. It had a very sort of cohesive... Uh, identity from top to bottom that there was a good balance of uh sort of like you know tradition or conventional dishes but with like a little twist rather than for example like oh this is our crazy dish and this is our super straightforward thing like it throughout from top to bottom it feels like okay every single dish is consistent with what this restaurant is correct um
0: I think you can offer
1: some examples of that because people, without reference, people might that might sound can you just
0: give me an example? Because I just sure, I'll give you an
1: example. So, um, the uh masitas, Mm -hmm. for example, with fufu, uh, and that's topped with I forget what
0: Um, uh, caramelized moho onions,
1: right? Exactly, like even that on its own. Like, you wouldn't necessarily... Like, you'd have maybe mojo onions, but you wouldn't have them caramelized.
0: Sure. Typically.
1: Like, that's one little touch. And I'm sure there's other things about that dish. I'm sure there are things about the
0: fufu itself. I'm sure there's stuff. I mean, no, it's pretty simple in nature. No, but even just... Com- complex in execution. Sure. Simple in nature, though. Sure. I mean, it's literally three ingredients. It's uh fufu, masitas, and then the... Uh, that that dish I've been thinking about for a long time because it's actually a play off, like, the French dish rions, mm-hmm. which is... um just pork belly that's slowly cooked in pork fat, and then when it's like pseudo crispy, then they just leave it in the pork fat and they let it solidify. And That's and what you're doing here. Somewhat okay, but but even that pretty that's, close. That's what
1: I mean, though. Is like aside from the caramelized onions, like that's not the same masita that you would get at any Cuban restaurant. That you sure, want to it's all
0: it's also with pork belly as right. opposed to like a shoulder. So there's all those there's all those butt. things, right. and
1: then even with the you know cuz like we said it's it's Cuban restaurant American diner have a baby there's the uh, the tamarind ketchup on the on the meatloaf right like even that little touch right so it's not like oh here's our super conventional you've had this meatloaf a million times and then next to it is some dish that's like off the wall weird it's every dish feels like it belongs here
0: it, it, this menu as like cuz we've been doing food demos for the last few days so i'm like working through my feelings on everything and it's like um Every dish feels like we've thought about it a lot. Mm. We just need to work on, like, the execution of it. Um, That one in particular is on my shit list right now. The meatloaf? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like, the meatloaf is a play on pulpeta, right? It's got chorizo in it. It's got um, veal, beef. Uh, It's whipped with chicken livers and stuff. Like, I approach it like a French pate, but then kind of like Cuban Pupeta. But if you put that on the menu, no one's going to order it. I mean, even as meatloaf, I think it's going to be a tough sell. So, I don't know. Like, I wanted the menu to flow as, like, there's options for everybody. Yeah. Like, there's a good mix. And there's definitely that. I think, because I thought about, like, your comment, um, not in, a like, a negative way. Just, mm-hmm. I thought about it a lot. And it's like... Chugs 1.0 wasn't capable of a ton. Right. Because of, like, the limitations of the space. And this one has a ton of limitations, too. I built a super tight kitchen with a lot of firepower by saying, like, there's a lot of equipment in there, but it's tight. Yeah. So, you know, the limitations are different, but I still feel like we weren't capable of doing a lot previously. And then now, something that I wanted to do was, you know... Build a super sexy dining room that was still not over the top, but approachable, cool. I mean, like I look around this room and I'm super proud of what we've done here. But see that? You love that, right? Yeah. Fucking i I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> um, but, the you know, like it's, it's not over the top, right? Like there's no smoke and mirrors here. There's a large bar. Yeah. But the, the biggest addition now is of booze. You right. know, we we brought in a guy named Tom Walker. Well, oh, to, but sorry, let's let's
1: just to to round out the thing from before. The the question was, from the time the chugs first opened, sure. to when it closed as a pop up, what was did your understanding of what you were trying to accomplish with it change, and then what was did when you got to the end there, did you already have this in your head?
0: I think that this was like the original vision from day one. Okay, we just weren't really capable of doing that. Okay, okay, so. That's why Chugs was kind of boiled down to like a breakfast and lunch concept. Okay. Because I wasn't able to do all the things that I wanted to yeah. do. So it wasn't that doing the pop-up brought you to this vision? I think it just showed me the capability of what we're okay. kind of like what we can do. You know, I mean, those days of Chugs that we would do 500 people out of a 650 square foot space. But now we're much better equipped to do 500 people mm-hmm. um, and execute... In a better fashion, more efficiently, with a better product. Okay. So, sorry, then you were talking about Booze and Todd. Right. So, a different Booze Todd. Tom. Oh, Tom. Tom Walker. I thought it was Todd. No. Got it. We, we got Todd still, still. I thought there here. were two Booze Todds. I was no. very excited about that. There's Todd and Tom. Okay, got it. That's still TNT. Good. Oh, man. I know. It's TNT time. TNT time. So, um, we employed a gentleman named Tom Walker. He's got a great resume. He's a great human. And he's brought a lot to this concept from a, a beverage side. Um, you know, we have, I think, six by the glass wines. And I think we have 14 cocktails all day. And and they've, they've all been exceptional. And I think that's really what Chugs was missing forever. Because I've always envisioned this food with cocktails and eating this food late, you know, I mean, it's a diner. Yeah. I envision eating at a diner at, at midnight. I envision eating at a diner at nine o'clock at night at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and the capability of having a great cocktail along with that really rounds out the whole concept. Yeah. It really like brings it full circle. And You know that was what we were missing and and uh tom i think has been with us now for almost two months and he hit the ground running and the cocktail menu is really 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 impressive from a guava gimlet to benny's daiquiri to uh an improved carajillo is what he likes to call it um i think they're all delicious and i think that they go with the food so well Mm. which is for me a lot of times we're we're I think cocktails miss the mark. It's like they're just making cocktails and they're, they're not making cocktails for the concept. Yeah. And I think here we've really executed a, a menu that, that pairs with the concept super well. And I just said that, that this could be a scene at nighttime. I mean, it could oh, be yeah. great. 100%. Um, I mean, I'd want to sit here and have a cocktail and eat a Cuban sandwich or a croqueta or, you know, bocadito spread with <coughs> Cuban crackers.
1: Yeah, it's a very like
0: uh, end your night mm-hmm. kind of spot. So you know, as it stands right now, we'll be open Friday and Saturday till two in the morning. Um, every other day, the bar will be open till midnight, and the kitchen will close at ten. But we'll still have a couple of late night snacks that people can munch on. But it's really, I think that's what this concept was meant to be forever. Hmm. Um, and I think now we're just seeing, we're just seeing it through. Yeah, you know, Chugs one point was great, and I love it it's i really do find that concept like near and dear to my heart but i think this one brings it full circle you know which which is great to see yeah um let's dive
1: a little more into the food mm. cuz we've mentioned maybe two things right so if you had to point to let's let's again for people who are are have not been exposed to chugs 1.0 right sort of like overview of what you might find on that menu
0: so 1.0 or 2.0? 1.0, so
1: right. that we can give, give people a sense of like where you're coming from to
0: 2.0. so like the a couple of changes chugs 1.0 had like six different variations of the frita okay. which we're not going to do this time yeah we have one frita that's like um i think rivals the burger double patties Swiss cheese uh a mojo ketchup Uh, Instead of doing traditional papitas, we're doing uh, yukitas. (laughs) Which is another point of contention. Yeah, another point of contention, which are yuca papitas, as Nick likes to put it. And um, that's how it was on the menu.
1: It was on the menu two different ways. Okay. So I was just saying, if you're going to go with one of these. Yeah. I mean, we created a word. You didn't create a word. Yukita is a word. Yukita is a word. Yukita is a word, but it's usually referring to like yuca fries. Like yuca, like, oh, like, like yuca frita. Like, Peruvians call yuca frita that we would just dip in mojo, yuquita. Okay. It's over. It's not your fault. It's no, I mean, I'm not saying it's my fault. Because I'm even saying- papita refers to, like, three different things. Oh, yeah, I know. Papitas are chips, and
0: they're fries, and they're the shoestring things. And Anyways, we've abandoned the traditional papita, and our our frita and our breakfast sandwich now come with... and With, our- with yucapitas. <laughs> Yuquitas, right. <laughs> Yucapita. Um... Yeah, I mean, we've added some, like, really, some things that I, I find pretty incredible, like uh, fritura de malanga, but with crab salad on top. Uh, we added, like, salmon riette, which is basically just, like, salmon dip uh, with fried Cuban crackers. We're doing rapita our way, which is, like, the, you know, like, the fried uh crispy rice crispy rice with lechón asado on top and guava barbecue sauce um i really i love like the appetizer section of our menu yeah we've done uh we added medianoche pierogies which is basically everything that's in a medianoche inside of a pierogi um for people who don't know what a pierogi is it's basically a dumpling that's blanched and then seared on the flat top, and it comes with, like, usually sour cream. We're serving it with, like, a mustard, sour cream, deliciousness. Yeah. Polish, Polish dumpling. Yeah. And, um... Polish? Polish. Polish? I think yeah. So. yeah, Polish. It's usually just potatoes and cheese on the inside.
1: Huge in Pittsburgh. Is it big in Pittsburgh? Oh, man, Pittsburgh loves pierogies. Really? Yeah. You go to a Pirates game, a lot of pierogies. At a Pirates game? Pittsburgh Pirates. Interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, that's like the... Six. But at a game, like pierogies? Yeah, well, they have like a big restaurant in the stadium. And oh. pierogies are like a big thing. Like if you're in a sit-down situation in the stadium, you get like a thing of pierogies.
0: Interesting. Oh, there's pierogies everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, our breakfast sandwich is going to be served all day. Taylor ham, American cheese, mayo, yuca, papitas. Um... <laughs> And a sunny-side-up egg. And then on the Andre side, we added, like, camarone and chilao, mm. But the sofrito has cochujang in it. Um, I mean, it's, like, it's so delicious. Crispy garlic on top. Just white rice. We have uh, pan-roasted snapper with garlic butter, vegetable acabeche. I mean, I, I just really feel like this is a well-rounded restaurant. Yeah. You know? Um, our pangomite is more like a, a like a roast beef Than it is like a pangomite But that's fine Because I'm not a huge fan of like palomilla steak I, I always find it tough Okay, And it's just like small The minuta is a situation That's going to be served all day also I just find it like We nailed all the corners And I mean when you have two years to work on a menu And still don't really have a menu Because it's still always like I mean, how my brain works is always, like, in flux. Um, I mean, tomorrow the menu goes to print for the next 120 days, and that Mm -hmm. gives me incredible amounts of anxiety. (laughs) Just, like, insurmountable amounts of anxiety. Yeah. So, (sighs) we're here. So, we mentioned Tom on the beverage side.
1: Sure. Who would you bring in on the food side?
0: Uh, Her name is Monica, Monica Dominguez, and she came from Q, Um, she's also Cuban. Um, she's incredibly talented, very hardworking. And, you know, I think it's taken her a little bit of time to feel comfortable with the concept because it's not like just Cuban food. Mm -hmm. And it's also like a very interesting take on Cuban food and just overall, like the well-rounded concept. But I think that she's done great work. I mean, it's been... I'm incredibly lucky that she wanted this
1: job. So if um, if somebody's eating here or looking over the menu or whatever it might be,
0: where would you say her stamps? Her touches are? Yeah. The frituras, for sure. That was all her. The crispy the rapitas, is definitely all her. Mm. Um, the change of the sofrito, like tomato base for the camarón chilao, definitely all her. Um I mean, her her presence is definitely strong throughout the menu. Yeah. Um, You know, you're not going to find her on the meatloaf dish. That's for sure. She's not a a meatloaf person like you. No. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like over time, she'll continue to develop an understanding of the concept. And when we go to print a second menu, I think you'll see a little more of that, too. Sure. Because also the first menu... There's a couple reasons why I decided to go with a menu for 120 days. I just couldn't accept building this place and then not having, like, a beautiful menu on the table. Because, like, where we're sitting, as we're sitting, there, there will be a menu on every table. Right. So, there was, like, three options. And the other two I found very ugly. And I was like, you know, the most beautiful one, it's like, it was, it was expensive. I was like, I mean, we gotta run this menu for at least four months for it to make any sense. So that's why we made that call. You know, it was it was a tougher decision. A lot of people told me not to do it, but I'm gonna roll the fucking dice. I gotta tell you, that's a very Mike Beltran way to make that decision.
1: <laughs> I'm committed to this menu for four months because I wanted the nice paper. <laughs> that's it's the- not just
0: paper. It's the way like I don't know. There's so what when you when you build the thing so many things come into account it's like these sconces that are everywhere right now yeah i had them change no no right but i'm saying that the sconces aren't why you're committed to the menu but i'm saying like
1: you're you're talking about how the menu is giving you anxiety being committed to it for 120 days yeah and it's because in order for the expense of the menu itself to make sense you had to commit
0: to it for that long it's a very mike beltran thing to do. why is that a very mike beltran thing
1: it is. It is. just No, it, because it it's ties not a into, bad thing. It ties into everything. I get it. It's not a bad thing. I think that's part of why, you know, that's, that's part of why it works. But it's a very Mike
0: Beltran thing. All right. I'll take
1: it. It's also a Mike Beltran thing to feel anxiety about it. Oh, man. So much anxiety.
0: Sure I have I so much anxiety right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a good thing I didn't make coffee. It'd be poops, too. Oh, poops and coffee. Yeah. Poops and anxiety. Poops and anxiety. Okay. So,
1: so that's the food. And that's the booze.
0: Talk a bit about... The coffee. You, let's talk about the coffee then. Sure. Actually, the coffee gives me a lot of anxiety. Today. Does it really?
1: Yeah. How so?
0: I mean, it's Cuban coffee.
1: Oh, you just mean physically it affects you that way? or No, no.
0: I, I'm, I'm saying that... Okay. So, for example, counterculture is our roaster. Yeah. And uh, They're a carryover from Chugs 1.0. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of debate whether we would go with counterculture again. Not because... Them as a company are great or, you know, the people who represent them, they're actually incredible, like very supportive or whatever. But we were toying with the fact of going with a more Miami brand and they were actually also great. But we ended up going with counterculture at the end. And the way they recommend to pull their coffee is a certain way that we just didn't agree with because it just doesn't lend itself to Cuban coffee. Right. So this was like it wasn't like a debate, but it was a lot of back and forth. The way we do our epumita is not like traditional Cuban coffee. Uh so that's also gonna be like a hard curveball. But it's the same coffee
1: that you've that you'd been doing before. So for the regular Yes yes
0: and no. Okay. And the reason why I say no is because now we have a lot more firepower to make it fucking great. I think before it was really good. No,
1: what I mean though is like if you liked it before, you'll like it now.
0: Mhm. So it's My not, hope it, is that you like it more now.
1: Right, but it's, it's not like you have to start from zero right. selling people on on your coffee.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Chugs team previously, Casey in specific, just like they really fine-tuned the, the coffee program. But it's now then training the coffee program. So right. the reason why I bring that up is because of the kind of volume that I hope to do here. It was brought to me that maybe we should get a super automatic machine. You know what a super automatic machine is? Don't. Basically, it's like, you know, have you ever seen those commercial Nespresso machines that you basically go up to, you press like yeah, macchiato, yeah, yeah. it makes you a macchiato? Right. Those kind of suck. But they exist. And they're very, very, very easy to use. Like You just press a button, boom, you got a fucking, yeah. you got a thing. It's right there, it's done. I decided to not go with that. I went with, it's awesome, right? Every time you hit that little thing, isn't it great? Yeah, that one. It's fucking incredible. It's a symbol. Oh, So I decided to not go with that because I thought it would hurt the overall feel and vibe of the restaurant. Okay. Much more than just efficiency, which is like very counterintuitive to how I always think. But I just felt like it would hurt the restaurant. Like the perception, the way the coffee felt, the way it tasted. I just didn't think that it would be executed the same way. Yeah. So we went with um, beautiful coffee machine. It's like I forget what it's called now, but it was fucking expensive, and it's great. But now you have to train humans how to make coffee your way. They could be baristas elsewhere. This is going to be completely different. Yeah. So, you know that it also gives me a lot of anxiety on that end too. Yeah. All
1: right.
0: So. Yeah, all the training, all the training, the human element. Yeah. Of restaurants is huge. Um, no, and
1: especially in a, in a concept like this one that's so unlike other things.
0: Well, it's a restaurant within a restaurant, right? I mean, you have in one part of the restaurant, you have this like grab and go thing that's set up to you, people come in, they want to get a sandwich, they want to get a coffee, they want to get a rebirth elixir, which will be back. That's a carryover for 1.0 also. Or they want to get a fresh squeeze orange juice. It's already going to be bottled and ready to go. Like, that's all going to be available. So, essentially, it's a restaurant within the restaurant. Because if you want to come and you want to sit down and you want to dine, that's also available. To oh, you.
1: I'm even just talking about the training of the making the product. Whether it's mm-hmm. training people to make the coffee. or And what I mean by unlike other things is you can come in, like you said. You can be a barista elsewhere, but this is not the same coffee. And you can you can have made masitas in 20 other places this is not the same Masita. Correct. Um, so talk a bit more. You touched on this a few times earlier, but about what the place looks like and what you're going for here. Because this is the first time you've designed something with at this level of specificity yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got super fortunate that we actually, Matt Kushner, uh, introduced me to Jessica Costa, which is our project manager slash designer. And... There was a time, I would say, a year ago, I was incredibly overwhelmed with, the, like, so what chair do you want to use? And I'm like, oh, what? What? Yep. They give you a bunch of options, and I don't like any of them. And then, like, what type of wood do you want to use for the roof or for the ceiling? Um, for the sconces? Like, what do you want the lights to look like? What do you want the bulbs over? There? And I'm just like, I'm. Th- this is not my realm of things. Right, right. So... Jess came into the picture, and she she's incredible, great to work with. Um, she has a great eye for design and, like, simplicity. And I was like, listen, we're looking for simple but clean. You know, like, I want it to look a certain way and feel a certain way, um, but I don't want it to feel stuffy. Right. And she she pretty much got that real, like, very quickly. And... You know, we worked through a bunch of things. I mean just like simply like these booths. I had to remake these booths twice. Um, and they're still not like exactly how I wanted them. What about? Them? Uh the way that the rivets are on the top, like I don't love. Okay. Uh, but I had them remake it twice and at this point I was like, I mean, you guys just don't fucking get it, so we're just gonna we're just gonna live here. We're gonna be okay with this, but I can guarantee you I'm gonna ask you to do this again. <laughs> um you know these tables too like this company is from Italy and then like they didn't necessarily like do this like out the like silver stripe mm-hmm. on the end but i thought it was very dinerish for like, sure dinerish no it's a if you're going for diner that's almost necessary right not a so it's something that they didn't do like custom but they adapted it from another thing that they do and then they put it on these and then the white top and then i thought about like kids on this white top when i got it and then that also gave me a lot of anxiety so, I'm also working through that. Um, you know, the mugs, the whole... Like, every single thing. Yeah. Like, the chairs came from Spain. The tables came from Italy. The, the, those um, fixed stools. And I will tell you, if you're out there opening a restaurant, don't ever get fixed stools. Don't do it. It's a bad fucking idea, but they look great. But don't fucking do it. But even them, like... You know, you know, you see how it has, like, the footrest on the bottom? Yeah, yeah. Two weeks after I chose those, I chose them without a footrest, right? Okay. Because I put a foot railing on the bottom.
1: Got it, okay. And okay. then I
0: saw, and then two weeks later, the mill sent me a price for the foot railing, and I was appalled. And then I went back to them, I said, can I just get the footrest on the stool? And they were like, no. And then when they came, they had the footrest on them. And I was like... But I already had a foot railing. This is like the weird thing. So I took the foot railing off and then I kept the things with the foot base. But it was just like mistakes like that. Yeah. That just
1: really. And you're always in a project this big, you're always going to run into shit like that.
0: This isn't that big though. No, This is only 2,500 square feet. There's people that build 7,000 square foot restaurants. I know.
1: Well, but what I'm saying is by this big, I mean that you started from zero. Every last detail was from scratch. And, yeah, you do a 7,000-foot – that's going to be multiples of these problems, but you'll still run into those problems. But, you know, Jess,
0: she really added the seasoning on top of this. Right. You know, like the plants, the planter up top, that shelf there that's really just for aesthetic use, the back of the bar being with tile, the tile – like they sent that tile wrong. And the construction company wanted to use it. I said, no. No. I mean, that probably put us behind like a full month because I told them to go fuck themselves and I was going to wait for the right tile. Because it just matches what we're trying to do here. I mean, it was a lot of stuff like that. It was yep. a lot of like continuation of those. You just need to stick to your guns and be like, this is what I want it to look like. No, because then you have to live with it for however long and a long time you'll be kicking yourself. Mm-hmm. So, but it's like equal. So the floor at the beginning they were like uh you know we want to lay concrete because there's actually a two and a quarter inch depression throughout the space so that means from the front door to the bathrooms that are in the back there's a small slope and you can't feel it if you're just walking into it but you can feel it and everything else and then they gave me a quote and it was for like 70 grand and Mm -hmm. i'm like no this is crazy i was like let's just grind down this floor Let's fucking polish it. I think I got pretty lucky because the floors, I find it pretty beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like mixed terrazzo in strange places from who knows when. There's thrown concrete. It's just like interestingly, it it looks interesting. Yeah, yeah. But what the depression causes is a lot of things are uneven. And they're going to be uneven forever. Yeah. But I had to make that call because, I mean, we saved 70 grand. Right. And it's like things like that that it's like. You're going to have to live with it. You're probably not going to like it, but you made that call, so you're going to have to make that call. Right. And, you know, in in the process of building a restaurant, you have to, there's sacrifices you need to make for kind of, I think, the overall thing. No, it's
1: like anything else, right? Yeah, you have to live with it, but there are things that you can live with and things that you, clearly the tile would have bothered you more than
0: the floor. floor. Yeah, I mean, the floor is going to eventually work itself to bother me, but it'll take more time. Like so many other things. Yes, so there's Correct. that. Um, mm. Something that was huge for me, that I always wanted, was this Terrazzo countertop. The Terrazzo countertop at the bar, I probably had like 30 samples of what it was supposed to look like. I think that I picked a great one. Um, it's a little busy for what I really wanted, but it's still... It's the showpiece of, like, the entire space, I think. Mm -hmm. And in the design process, you need, like, some accents that really highlight the whole space. And I think that that's one. Because I do really believe that this, as a bar late night with food, can be a thing. And I think that that's so special. And I, I like, I find that so, so much of an afterthought, you know, like that touch that I'm happy that we chose that. And you know, I'm forever going to know how much that thing costs. It's mm-hmm. always going to bother me, but it's still like, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Even though they built it half an inch too thick, and then I had to reinforce the bar to make sure that it didn't crush the bar. Right. I'm still okay with it. That's good. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Thanks. Appreciate that.
1: <laughs> um, so you've mentioned a few times this place at night, but there's also this place in the morning. Right. Which the night aspect, I think, is something that it brings new to the Grove. Mm-hmm. The morning thing, I think, is something that it enhances about the Grove already. Because the Grove in the morning is like, especially compared to other Miami areas, it's like very active with foot traffic
0: mm-hmm. and families and dogs and people I, I just want, taking I wanna, their time. I want to be frank about something. The reason why all I talk about... Is dinner and late night? yes yeah. because that's what we didn't have before. Sure. Yeah, I know that you know breakfast and lunch will have its burn, because there, like you said, there's so much foot traffic. There's so many families. We did it before. Mm-hmm. We did it pretty well before, and people loved it before. And I think that they'll love it again. Actually, now I think they're going to love it more because there's more
1: options. But I think they love it in a way that had been missing in the Grove. In other words, that that. That time and that activity existed But there's not Like where in the Grove were you going to get Croquetas and a, mm. and a colada Is what I mean like it brought something new In that sense Correct. to a, a, An activity and a And a part of that Grovite lifestyle Yeah uh, No, Not to mention the fact that people came from, from Everywhere
0: Yeah I mean I find it Incredibly intriguing that there's no like nod to, like, true Cuban food here. Like, Ariadne is a riff off of Cuban food. Right. Yeah, there's not a... There's not... Yeah. Uh, You're not getting a a, a croqueta and a colada there. You're not getting a Cuban sandwich there. Um, So, I found it very interesting being in the heart of Miami, like the... I guess it's the oldest neighborhood of Miami, right? Yeah. Oldest neighborhood of Miami, and that did not exist. I find it fascinating. So... The fact that we're going to do it in this setting makes it much more Coconut Grove like, um, but I think that it you know it, it's needed, you know if, especially if you're going to be in Miami, the heart of Miami, um, oldest neighborhood of Miami. Why wouldn't you have Cuban food? It's such a big part of the city as a whole. Right. There's not much Latin food here in general. Not well, much. You have, ja- much. You have Jaguar,
1: but what I mean is like traditional. Like there's not. A, there's not a Colombian restaurant. There's not a typical Chilean restaurant. There's not a...
0: Right now, when I when I want like a cotadito, I I go to the quick stop. Yeah. That's it. That's, yeah. that's my only option. And they do a pretty good job.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've had it.
0: So, you know, but now you can have a cotadito or a cola here. Yeah. Which is, I think, pretty cool. And so, I, I, I think that the biggest thing, too, that like we had such an issue with before was the outdoor space and something that jess and i discussed a lot was like how the outdoor space would evolve like how is it going to be because you can't transfer a diner feel to outdoor you just can't do it it's just it just doesn't translate well so what were our options and it was to make it a little more of a tropical vibe more of like outdoor Miami space than it was to approach it like a diner so that's going to be the I think one of the most interesting juxtapositions between this and that because it's the same thing but it's just delivered very differently you know and the same music will play and we'll still have string lights these will actually work um it's an important that's an important important thing there'll be be, uh, there will be umbrellas which before we didn't have true um, so I'm intrigued to see how all that develops also, because yep. I do, and and it's not because it's ours, but I feel like this courtyard in comparison to the rest of the Grove is probably got the coolest feel of all of it. It just mm-hmm. has never been executed well, because I don't the people previously to here probably didn't have the money to, but I mean, these umbrellas, the landlords did the umbrellas, which are massive and huge and very very expensive um was a big part of that yeah what haven't we touched on
1: that you want to get into um, if anything maybe maybe you're maybe you feel like we've covered all the ground you want to cover right now i
0: don't know i mean i think i have a lot of like feelings about the space right now there's a lot of like things that um i feel great about and i also feel like anxiety about but i it's just this is pre-opening this is like um, Probably the closest to the chest ever, because I mean we're doing we're doing Cuban food, you know, like with an American touch, yeah, so I feel because of I don't know because of who we are, we got we just gotta fucking nail it, man, yep, yeah. I mean, you gotta nail it all the time, sure, but I think I've lived in the world of area for so long, I just know that thing so well, um. It's interesting because, like, the Chug Burger is going to live here full time. Forever. And, I mean, it's Chug's Diner, so I felt like the Chug Burger would live here. Actually on the menu. Because it's not actually on the area menu. Right. And it was fascinating to me that I was cooking the same burger I've cooked for six years. Just in a different kitchen. And I felt some kind of way about it. Yeah. I felt like, is this right? Is it off? I don't really eat burgers and I ate one and I'm like is this the same is it going to be perceived the same are we nailing it the same way Um, it's crazy though how the setting affects for sure I mean you know like the Chugs kitchen is built like a pro kitchen right it's got the proper lighting the the whole thing Ariad's kitchen is like dark because it's in the middle of the dining room the flat top is a certain way I know like the hot spots and like where to where to put things like the first day I cooked a burger on there I'm like well this is right, and then I was like, but well, what if I move it here I'm like well that's not right either. And you ever it- seen uh, or
1: even done blind tastings where you're guided through shit, but you're told after the fact that lighting changed or whatever? Never. So there's this guy who I met, uh, and he he had been doing this a little bit with cigar with cigar companies, but also with some spirits and wines, and um, he was like. Some of it was very, to me anyway, seemed sort of like a little over-the-top, woo-woo, like, you know, power of suggestion shit. But other things about it made, you know, made some sense where, you know, he would have you, you know, either taste two cigars or hear, you know, these two fruits or two cheeses or whatever. And over the course of the tasting, as he's giving you these different things, some of the lighting is changing. Maybe it's red and then it's blue and some of the music changes and... And then he would go through, like, okay, well, which of these things did you prefer? And it turns out that you were eating the same thing the whole fucking time. Mm -hmm. And people had all these, like, very consistently varying answers. Uh, All of which is to say I can see how the same burger in a diner setting would feel very different from eating sitting at Ariette or sitting in Nave or sitting in in the different kitchen. It's a different
0: plate. Putting the fries on differently, right. it's just a different ramekin. There's just the different shit happening
1: in your brain while you're eating it,
0: and I'm just kind of like, ah, "This? Do I feel the same about this? Is this still good? Yeah. It, I, did we fuck this up?" Like, a lot of that has to do with, I guess, like uh personal struggles of like, you know, you're coaching people to see a thing that you've seen for a long time. And I think that's probably one of the bigger struggles that we'll always feel because as you grow, you have to coach people to do the things that you would do. And that's very tough because cooking is very instinctual. Like, you just want to –
1: what's happening? Sorry. Just got an email from Falco uh, about our meeting tomorrow. And Monica won't be there, but she's going to Skype in and he's going to tape an iPad to his mannequin. (laughs) John Falco,
0: everyone. <laughs> He's definitely one of a kind. That guy. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so I don't know, but I get it. I mean, yeah,
1: there's 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 shit happening, and you're gonna second guess. Not second guess, but no, I
0: say sec- I, I second guess myself all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, simply from a design element, right? The most is like, did I put this in the right spot? Right. Should I move this over here? you know something like the grab and go which is something i've never really done that's probably the biggest thing for me of efficiency speed thought process like is that
1: the kind of thing that you went and consulted maybe another chef or restaurant operator i didn't who- i consulted more
0: equipment people okay because so the suite that like lives there currently costed more ...than the entire Chugs 1.0 did to build. Yeah. You know, from using the Amana oven, to the coffee machine, to the grinders, to the pastry case. I mean, the expense there is big, um, but it's built to, you know, it's built for speed. It's built to execute. It's built to, like, crank. Yeah. So... There was a lot of thought process in that, like should this go like three inches this way, and then and then when you put the equipment in, then you're like, oh, but this can't work this way. Like, can we move this now? Can we move that now? And it's that
1: one's tough. Yeah,
0: that one's a tough one.
1: All right, so hard shift here. Okay. Gonna
0: wrap up the Chugs
1: talk mm-hmm. before we get to parting recommendations and all that thing, all that stuff. There's an important development. Okay. In your personal life, uh-huh. tell everybody
0: about the Jimmy. <laughs> Oh man. So I, I, I purchased, I purchased another old car so I can continue to per, uh, work on my old car. Right. That was the thought process here. <laughs> I, I met a, a great dude in Chicago that was building a Jimmy that he wanted to sell. And I wanted a truck because the Cadillac just simply just doesn't fit everywhere because it's too low to the ground. I like how you needed a car that fit places. So I got a truck. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's a smaller <laughs> truck, but super cool dude. I mean, he rebuilt a lot of it. We've had to do some work to it, but I mean, uh, 77 GMC Jimmy is like a great investment and, um, it's fawn, which isn't like a, a color I love, but I've learned to love a lot. And it's like, it's, it's a fucking truck. It's, it's pretty dope, you yeah. know? Cause in reality, The Cadillac is something that we would like to continue to build. And I'm just like, I just don't like modern cars. I just don't. I don't appreciate them. Like, I don't treat them the same way. And I feel like older cars are like an incredibly good investment. I mean, if people learned about the market pretty well, it's just like, I mean, you never lose money on them. As soon as you get a car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, you lose five grand. It's crazy. It's the nuttiest Mm -hmm. thing. It's the nuttiest money I've ever seen spent. So that Jimmy, I kind of wanted a convertible, but not a convertible also. And the whole, like, uh, back end comes off of it. So it's kind of a convertible. It's a mm-hmm. kind of half-cap convertible is what it's called. And um, I don't know. He's, he's a monster. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. So I got a car that fits places. Good job. Yeah. yeah that's thanks. great. Thanks. Know where you can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, and now... On to our party. Well, before party recommendations. I don't know. Before we do party recommendations, I mean, let's talk about the fact that um, we just had a Cuban guy uh-huh. beat Pacquiao, which no one thought he was going to win. A Cuban really. guy beat Pacquiao? No one thought Ugas was going to beat Pacquiao. Right. I mean, that was like... How much of a dog was he? In Do you know what the betting odds were? I don't know what the betting odds were, to be yeah. f- to okay. be honest. But, I mean, he had two weeks' notice. A uh, former Pondcom podcast guest made him his... Uh, She's right. Souls by Sir. Souls by Sir. Senor Marcus Rivero. Yeah. Made him his shoes. Uh, He was very like um, Cuban, um, I guess, statement oriented in his whole outfit, Mm -hmm. which was great. And the post fight thing and all that. It was great. And, you know. By which, by, by the way, in
1: case people are lost, by which we mean. About the protest movement and the uh, protests against the Cuban dictatorship, mm-hmm. this guy did a lot of uh, of shouting all that out. Yeah, uh, on his on his shoes, on his shorts, in his post fight speech, press conferences, all that.
0: Yep, and I think that that was great. I'm like super happy that he won. I was I was actually pretty shocked that he won. Yeah, I I know Pacquiao's like old, but as a boxer, Pacquiao's a fucking legend. Yeah. So, and on two weeks' notice, that's. That's tough to prepare for, like a guy like Pacquiao. He just didn't have the juice. I, w- I mean, I watched the fight again after the fight happened. He just simply didn't have the juice. I mean, I would say that he's probably going to retire now. Yeah, I mean, he.
1: I think he said it was like sixty percent. I mean, it's a good. I mean, head. it's a good idea.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a good idea. I would recommend it because boxing is brutal. So he's also a good singer. You can fall back on that. I mean, he could, and he's got a, a thriving political career. Yeah. That he can fall back on. Basketball? Plays basketball. Pacquiao plays basketball? He plays pro basketball in the Philippines. No, this is
1: 100% true. I don't... Listen, it's pro basketball in the Philippines, so the bar is probably a little lower. So you're is... saying I, I, I got a chance? I think if you if you go to the Philippines, you know, give this up for a little while. I mean, you have an 8th grade basketball MVP trophy. I do. That's probably more credentials than... My mom still got it. Take that over there. <laughs> Let them know. They would not even make you try out.
0: What else is happening in the world? Oh, We man. can't just, like, wrap it up now. Like, that's too much. It's too much of a heavy podcast. Yeah, well, to that's like the thing. Show. I'm trying
1: to think of what's what else is happening in the world that's, that's not heavy because there's that, not, let's, Everything let's, is heavy. Let's right? not do Afghanistan. Let's not do Afghanistan. <laughs> let's not do let's, that.
0: Let's skip... Totally skip over Afghanistan.
1: Uh, I wouldn't say that this is heavy or not heavy, but uh, today, the day that we're recording this, which is the 23rd of August... Uh, the FDA uh, gave its uh, permanent approval to the Pfizer vaccine. Um, Correct. That's a thing happening in the world. It's going to, I think, affect a lot of things, depending on your perspective, for better or for worse.
0: Equally, the Miami Dolphins are starting their season.
1: How did that... uh, You you went to a preseason game. I went
0: to a preseason game. How was that? They looked pretty good. Cool. They looked pretty good. I was happy with what I saw. That was Tua? Nice. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's got a lot of weapons. So that's that was nice to see. Um, I think the defense is still super stout, which is great. Yeah. I mean, they still need a Mike Linebacker, which would be amazing. But they have, like, some good people there, but just not amazing. Yeah. Um, also so, – Oh, sorry, go ahead. So – I'm, like, a, a very pessimistic fan, so yeah. if they win some games, that's cool. I was going to say, also in sports, Heat made some... The Heat have, like, a team... In. The Heat have a team that I, I would go into a fight with. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go into a basketball game with them, but I'd go into a fight with them. I'm Speaking of going into fights, I'm sad that we lost Goran. Of course. You know? I mean, he's... But. I mean, he's a Heat lifer, like, for sure. The, the fact that he's not on the Heat anymore... Hurts my feet. I get it. It's a business. At the end of the yeah, day, yeah, yeah. I get that. But I mean, did he sign with someone full time? No
1: trade. Yeah, but he doesn't want to play there. He already said it. He said it, and then he took it back. But it was like, yeah, you said it. You said it. Yeah, you
0: can't take that back. I mean, no one wants to play in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no. If, if we have fans in Toronto, I didn't mean that. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, all yeah. That's we're huge. Yeah, in Toronto. we could be. We're yeah. in, like, 22 countries. Pankong Raptor. <laughs> um, I guess a, a develop I don't know if I'm actually allowed to talk about this, but no one, like, actually listens to this, right? Nobody. So I'm, I'm doing a show that I'm filming in don't two Don't make days. me go back and delete this after you say I it. I have no idea. Maybe you could read the thing if I'm not supposed to say this. Okay, fine. You're not going to show anything from the show. What do you mean show anything from the show? You're not going to show any film from the show.
1: In in this video? Yeah. So no. who cares? Oh, no. Well, I didn't know if you were, like, not supposed to say anything.
0: Okay. So anyways. So a couple months ago, I was approached by someone that was recruiting for a show for the Food Network. I've been very open about how much I don't like food TV. And I was like, nah, I don't know. You know, whatever. I guess that's cool. And they were like, yeah, you know, can we... Can we set up a call and blah, blah. I said, all right, cool. We set up a call. I said, all right. So we're setting up the show um, with a famous person. He can't cook. And I go, okay. Um, I need some more context for me to say I'm even interested in the show. And then they're like, all right. So the shows is with Ludacris. And I am I mean, you know, I'm, those are my years, right? Yeah. Late 90s, 2000s, like disturbing the peace. Like Ludacris is my guy. I'm like, so ludicrous. Luda Can't Cook, and they're like, that's actually the name of the show. Luda Can't Cook. And I'm like, so the show's called Luda Can't Cook, and he was like, yeah, I was like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I guess this is fine because it sounds super fun, so, fuck it, I, I guess I'll I'll say I'm intrigued. Yeah. So, I went through the whole process, I did an interview, actually everything everyone was like, great. Um, and and then, you know, they were like, we would love to have you as as the co-host with Ludacris for this episode of the show. And I said, all right. I guess cool. Um, so I'm going to co-host a show with Ludacris called Luda Can't Cook that will be on Discovery Plus and Food Network. You are going to put them on game. I'm going <laughs> to put them on game. And that films um, two days this week.
1: Nice. It's
0: it's going to be an experience. So I got to say. Yeah. So these people, uh, the producer, her name is Terry. She's great. Um, In like the first Zoom meeting that we had, I guess, getting to know each other, she was like, so how do you feel about the Food Network and Discovery Plus doing a show about Cuban food during this time? I go, I got to be honest with you. I think it's the dumbest fucking thing you guys could do. And she was like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I was like, what's the thing that Food Network is telling you to talk about the most? And she was like, a Cuban sandwich. I'm like, you think you can get a Cuban sandwich in Cuba right now? And she was like, no, I don't think so. I go, so why the fuck would you talk about that? And she was like, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, that's – she was great. She was like very understanding to a lot of things that I had to say. She was very open to a lot of my ideas. She – It presents opportunities, though. I mean, it presents opportunities for us to continue to, like, push the knowledge what about I mean. what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I just... They have a script. Could you imagine me with a script? I... Right? It's going to be so much fun. I'd pay for this. Oh, man. It's going to happen. So, they have a script, and I'm like, you know, I'm probably going to go off script quite a bit. And she was like, I have that feeling. You know, that's cool. And I was... So, basically... They changed the premise of the show to a, a show about Cuban-American food okay. because it's food that you can get here in Miami, right. which is not Cuba. And um, it just – I think it opened up there at the same thing about cigars. They're like, how do you feel about Cuban cigars? I go, I feel dreadful about them. I will not smoke them. I think they're absolute fucking trash. And they're like, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> and, um, you know, so – I think it's been good i think we have an opportunity here to continue to open up people's eyes and people that would never dare listen to this podcast
1: Mm -hmm. uh
0: to some of the things that we're trying to do yeah so we'll see how it goes cool i mean in the editing room a lot of things get left on the floor that they'll never use right which is we'll see how it goes
1: yeah (laughs) which is we'll see how it goes yeah um all right, so let's move into uh, our parting recommendations. We're done here? You're done with me? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're, we'll let everybody in on this process. We're going to do our parting recommendations. Okay. We're going to do the plugs. And then we're going to record some like after-the-fact ad-ish stuff okay. that, we'll, that I will insert That's great. earlier in the podcast. So parting recommendations, do you have any
0: for the people? Um, I have a book that I'm reading. Okay, so I just started this book, The Tao of Wu. The Rizza. okay, and I'm only a quarter way through, and it's a very good read.
1: The Tao of Wu,
0: yeah. Tao spelled like T A O, yeah. Tao of Wu, by the Riza wrote this. Yeah, got it. Oh, you can what's def- it about? What you we- could definitely tell. I mean, it's. Like I said, I'm only a quarter way through, and it's this really incredible journey of him understanding what the Wu is to him. Oh, man. And, like, the lessons he learned, and it's just, it's really written... It's like an autobiography, sort of? Thus far, but it's a lot of lessons, and it's a lot of life life lessons, and, like, I find it very interesting how it's about a a lot of religion, but... um, his perception and his knowledge of that and like how he's learned that and how, um, how he puts it into practice. I find it very, very interesting. And like who has taught him his life? I mean, the guys lived a life. So I, I recommend it thus far. And I'm only a quarter way through. Got it.
1: I will recommend two podcasts. Actually, no, just one podcast, but I was going to make reference to two episodes. Uh, it's called Honestly with Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss. Uh, Barry White? Weiss. Oh, Weiss. Yeah. She sounds nothing like Barry Weiss. <laughs> uh, Barry White. Uh, <laughs> what a shame. I know. If only. I would listen to Barry White's podcast. If, <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: who wouldn't listen to Barry White's podcast? hundred uh, percent.
1: So she uh, she used to be on the um, uh, editorial page uh, at the New York Times and then was not. And now she's got this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's basically a, a lot of interviews and uh, sort of like, it's like an essay format podcast and then sometimes interviews. So to give you an idea, the last episode I listened to was uh, a long conversation with H.R. McMaster, who's a three-star general, and he was talking about Afghanistan. So if you're interested in that subject, there's that. And then she did another episode where she was like collaborating sort of with Camille Foster. Um, who runs Freethink and another podcast called The Fifth Column, in which they do a very long interview and sort of like an investigation sort of thing with I don't know if you remember early in COVID um, or not before COVID actually uh, this woman Amy Cooper who yep. was all over the news because uh, you know you know what I'm talking about with the dog in the sounds familiar in, yeah so there was a she was a she had her dog off leash in Central Park and was confronted by a birder who was had basically like they had a a confrontation over her dog being off leash. And it turned into this, like Amy Cooper is a racist, uh, thing. And she goes into hiding and she's been in hiding in another, in another country for, I don't know how long. It's a super interesting story. And it's, uh, in an interview, that's really more about, uh, about media and how we end up seeing stories told the way they're told. Mm. Um, so, very interesting stuff uh, I would recommend, honestly, with Barry Weiss.
0: I have two more recommendations. Go for it. One of which is I saw on Netflix a documentary about ZZ Top.
1: Okay.
0: I've always loved ZZ Top, but this documentary made me love them even more. All I mean, their love for classic cars is great. Um, but their music, the evolution, like I, I've always listened to their music, but I never understood it until yeah. i watched that documentary and like their thought process and them as people like it's very 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 interesting yeah um the the melding of like that blues and jazz culture with texas i found fascinating um and, i mean they're incredible musicians i i really do love that uh how they say trace Ombres. trace Ombres. um album is fucking dope yeah but the documentary is a really really good watch okay. and they're like i mean they still tour what would you say it was called uh fuck man All right zz top documentary just ZZ Top on netflix, netflix okay. and then equally i'd have to say that i was shocked shocked that the suicide squad number two did not suck Oh, it didn't suck. No. It was okay. actually like enjoyable to watch. It wasn't dreadful. I mean, the first one was fucking horrible. So horrible. This one watchable, fun to watch. You know, I mean, you're not it's not like rewriting history for for movies. Yeah. Um How was uh how was Flula Flula Borg in that movie? The German guy. Flula Borg. Yeah,
1: he's a German actor uh Comedian, thick accent. I think in the movie he's German. Also, oh, the Borg.
0: Yeah, I'll show you. Show me.
1: Yeah, he's he's in he's in the squad.
0: Spoiler alert: a lot of these people die early.
1: Right. I can I can imagine him dying early in this movie.
0: I feel like he was part of the first group of people that died. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. So if if he is who I think he was, he was good. I think the most shocking thing to me was that Sylvester Stallone was that in that movie. You know as who? no the shark man that he's the shark man he's the shark man
1: oh man that's good here we it's, go it's this, a
0: shame that you can't hear the zamboni driving guy. by yeah he dies early dies early yeah he dies early um there's a zamboni going by no one oh, can hear it though man i, I know. know what a shame we've reached that Should point we run out
1: with the microphones no <laughs> no <laughs> all right well so uh shameless plugs we're doing a thing. Well, we're gonna record about the thing and then insert it earlier, so people don't oh, have to wait. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But do we'll do all your shameless plugs.
0: Um, or just fuck. tell them it's all the things, you know. So, go to Ariette. It's great. Food. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> it's great. We have a tasting menu, and we just added a bunch of new food that I actually uh, just posted on my social media. Go to Nave. Reluctantly, Nave is doing the Miami Spice menu. Um, Scapegoat and Taurus. We're looking at rolling out some great like uh, football activations for Taurus, which I think would be awesome. Scapegoat is starting to open early on the weekends, yep. which is cool, I think, for the beach. We'll see how, how it works out.
1: Shameless plugs at bangkong Podcast on all the social media things. You can go datemag.com slash Kong Podcast. Subscribe to Bangong Podcast. Uh, go to uh, YouTube and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Uh, all that stuff. And with that, apologies to Petey the dog who couldn't be here. And we're
0: out. For everyone that just turned off as soon as they heard that Petey wasn't here, I totally yeah. understand. <laughs>